But church, I don't know if you're a sense in the presence of God this morning. If you're not, uh, you may need to go to the hospital. Something may be wrong with you. You know, uh, it doesn't matter how we feel. It matters who He is all the time. Amen? I love that. Because sometimes I wake up and I just feel juiced. Other times I wake up and I just want to go back to bed. The good news is, wherever you're at this morning, somewhere in between on either extreme, God is stronger. Amen? Do we believe the things that we've been declaring to the Lord? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? If so, say amen. All right, let's try it again. Three of you believe that. If you believe that Jesus died for you, say amen. Amen. If you believe that your God is stronger than anything in your path, say amen. Amen. Now, it just dawned on me. do, Do you know what amen means? So be it. Jesus conquered sin for you. So be it. God is stronger than what's in your path. So be it. Now, if that God you believe in is alive and real, how many believe he wants to speak to you this morning? Say amen. Amen. So be it. Father, I pray that you would take these massive words and allow it to be something that spurs us on closer to you today. We are hungry to hear from you. It's in your names, in your son's name we pray. Amen and amen. As you grab your Bible, I'll give you a reference we can turn to in just a few minutes. If you want to cheat, it's on the screen. I forgot I put it on there, so so much for keeping it secret. Uh, how many of you wish that you could be free financially? Anybody? Great. Two. Very good. The rest of you can sleep. You know, our culture is obsessed with being free financially. You know, there are many gurus who've written books and do seminars and all these things to tell us how to make the most of our money. And you know what? They would tend to say to us that the key to financial freedom is more money. The more money you have, the more things that you can buy, and the more freedom that you will have. If I just work harder or stay focused or don't give up, then I'll have freedom financially. But if this were the case, the United States would be the most financially free nation in the world. You see, 70% of the world's wealth is contained in our country. And yet we are also the world's largest debtor nation. And it's in the home that this faulty idea gets very devastatingly personal. The American family has a higher standard of living than any other country in the world, yet at the same time has the highest divorce rate. And take a guess what is listed as the number one issue of conflict in marriages that end up in divorce. Finances. That's right. We don't have enough money, the world would tell us. If you had more, then you would feel more free. Our problem is not that we don't have enough money. Our problem is we don't know how to manage what it is that we have. We need a new pattern. More money doesn't address the root of the problem. And that's why I'm, I'm excited to share this morning a, a pattern, a strategy for financial freedom that will help you make the most of the money that you have. This strategy is designed by the one who created all the wealth in the universe. And if you're going to make the most of your money, you must understand and implement God's pattern for financial freedom. We don't have time today to look at his whole plan, I, I don't think, for financial freedom, but we do this morning have time to zero in on the critical first step, putting us on the path to freedom. And we can take that step this morning if we choose to listen and heed this instruction he gives us. 
This teaching is all over God's Word, but I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verse 6 through 10 together this morning. We've been in a series called First, and, and when we look at what we do first and how it impacts the rest, we need to see how we could put God first in our finances. Listen and follow along as I read Malachi 3, 6 through 10. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, the Lord says. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. The first thing that God does here is he gives us a reality check. And in your notes, if you're taking notes, you see a first key thought is it's, it's an accusation that cannot be denied. He declares in verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you rob me. God accuses his people of thievery. They were good, upstanding, church-going people, yet they were robbing God of the tithe. They had the wrong perspective of their money. And to illustrate this uh, problem, uh, I want to do something that I don't think has ever been done in Grace Point Church ever. Uh, I want you to take out your wallet or your purse right now and just hold it in your hand. Take out your wallet or your purse and hold it in your hand. All right? If you choose not to participate, someone will be there to smack you on the forehead or something. I don't know what would happen. Just take out your wallet or your purse. Just hold it in your hand. Hold it in your hand. Now, I want you to find someone close to you that looks somewhat trustworthy, and I want you to exchange, I'm going to go to Pastor Rex, I want you to exchange wallets, <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble, I know, exchange wallets with somebody, okay? Now, I want you to hold up that purse or that wallet. Now, guys, it's okay to hold a purse today, okay? You can, you can do that. Just hold up the wallet or purse you have. I've got Pastor Rex's, so if anybody wants to talk to me after, this thing is loaded, I, I can tell. Just hold up the purse. Now, in a minute, we're going to take a second offering. The ushers are going to come forward. And it's going to be, it's going to be a great offering. I don't know that we've ever done this in the church. Probably the greatest offering in the history of Grace Point. Now, go ahead and, and, and switch back uh, wallets or purses. Don't take anything out of it. Don't, don't do that. Now, I want you to hold your wallet or your purse in your hand again. Don't put it away yet. Now, lift it up to me one more time so I can see it. You know, you are still holding somebody else's money. You know, it's one thing to, to think about taking an offering and how free you would feel to give out of Pastor Rex's wallet. I just feel freed up. I'll just give whatever I feel like giving. You know, we give differently when we recognize what it is we're holding is not ours. And yet, this principle, until it sinks in, what it is we have in our wallet or in our purse or what we think we carry around is not really ours. That's the crux of this passage that we just read. Now, if you still think we're taking a second offering, just relax. Some of you looked at me and you're having a heart attack, but we're not going to do that. 
But God wants to drive this point home that what you and I hold in our hands is not really ours to begin with. Everything you call yours belongs to God. He is the only owner in the universe. In fact, go ahead and scratch out on your notes there where it says making the most of my money. And it probably should say making the most of God's money. Now, when you're holding someone else's money, that same freedom, God wants to teach us today how to have that freedom to give as if what it is we have, we understand that it's not ours. However, when we hold back, God says, you are robbing me. You are stealing my money. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like to think about that very much. I don't want to go there. But do you realize across the Church of Jesus Christ and in Protestant congregations across North America... The average is less than 20% of regular church attenders tithe. If this statistic is even close to true, that means there's an overwhelming majority of people in God's house that are robbing God. There is an accusation. There is an accusation that we cannot deny. Look again at verse 9. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. I don't know all the implications of that for us this morning, but I know this much. I'm not willing to rob God to find out everything that that means. In 14 years of full-time ministry, I've never met one person who was sorry that they were generous in giving to the Lord. But I've met scores of people who are suffering under the curse of being stingy with God. If you're here today and you're not tithing, God's indictment is clear. You're bringing a curse upon yourself and your family. Now, I know that's not popular. It's not my opinion. It's what Scripture is telling us. You look there and read it in verse 9. We see that God is giving a command that cannot be ignored. I am not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. It's easy to say, well, let's just skip on past this. Let's get to the blessings that are so big that we can't store them all. Well, there's a command first that can't be ignored. Verse 10 tells us, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, there are three common questions about tithing. I want us to see that the answer can be found right here in this verse. The first question is, who is expected to tithe? I mean, who is this really for? This verse will tell us that every believer is called to tithe. God's command here is addressed to all people. In the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it was all who have placed their faith and hope in Jesus Christ. In other words, tithing, it's not a Nazarene thing. This is a God thing. From the smallest income to the largest, God lovingly commands us to give a tithe to his storehouse. Now, no one should argue, my little tithe won't make much difference. After all, I need it so much more than God does. Friend, God doesn't need your tithe. You need to give it. The second question, how much is the tithe. Now, now what should the tithe really be? This passage will tell us that the first 10% of all my earnings is a tithe. Tithing should be a first priority, not something that is an afterthought. If you wait to write the check to the end of the month, you, you will never have enough money. There's always something to buy. There's always something to pay for. There's always some emergency that needs to be taken place. But when we put God first, it impacts the rest. Just like in our time, just like in our talent and our work, but also in the resources that God has given to us, when we put him first, 
he changes the priority of everything else that happens. You see, if we're giving God leftovers, we're frankly not tithing. Now, some people say, well, you know, I just kind of give God a little bit here. I just tip him a little bit here and there. You know what? If you want to tip God, I don't have a problem with that. I think the standard good tip is around 15%. So if you want to do that, then, then go ahead and tip God. But God gives us a tithe as a, as a beginning point, a, a, a launching place of a 10% to start giving to him. And all throughout Scripture, there's offerings over and above the tithe. See, some people say, you know what, tithing, that is an Old Testament teaching. We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Tithe is irrelevant to us. You know, I would agree that nowhere does the Bible imply that 10% is God's and 90% is yours. In fact, all throughout Scripture, 100% is God's. A uh, New Testament standard is to give everything that you have. Jesus' word says, any of you who do not give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciples. God is saying, recognize that everything you have is mine. And so a 10% tithe is a a starting launching place to give to the storehouse. You see, by tithing, you're not saying, God, you get one-tenth and and I get nine-tenths. Yeah, I get nine-tenths. If that were the case, we'd have to rewrite a lot of our worship songs. One-tenth to Jesus, I surrender. One-tenth, I give freely to Him. This is not what it is. I surrender all. That God has given me. Tithing is this starting place. Another question. Well where do I pay my tithe? How does that take place? God here in this passage talks about the storehouse. For Israel. It was the temple where they were nurtured. And where they worshipped God. For you and me. That is our local church. Now if you're visiting here at Grace Point. Do not put your tithe in Grace Point. This is about where you are fed and nourished spiritually week in and week out. God calls us to give a tithe to the storehouse. This principle is universal for us. You give where you receive spiritual nourishment. You wouldn't go to Kroger and you wouldn't get food from Kroger and then go pay Walmart. God is saying, hey, in the storehouse where you are fed, this is where you take the tithe that belongs to me. God is prompting us at times to give over and above that, then you give to other organizations and ministries. Every reputable Christian organization will teach that tithing is to be in a storehouse where God has called you to worship with a body of believers. This by no means says that we should not support other ministries around the world or other parachurch ministries. God calls us to give over and above. But the tithe belongs in the local storehouse. As I share this this morning, I want you to know that you are sitting in a congregation who has got this principle for many, many decades. But I caution us to not just sit back in comfort and say, well, I'm a part of a church who understands giving to others and understands storehouse tithing, so therefore I don't need to be challenged myself. With every generation comes an opportunity to turn away from what God has called us to do. And God is saying to us, hey, put me first in your finances now in 2014, not just back when. Now, I know people who want to designate their tithe, even to the storehouse. They want to put all kinds of strings attached to it and say, well, this is exactly how I want it to be used because it's mine. And we miss the whole principle of tithing. There's lots of misconceptions about tithing, and it kind of reminds me of this video. I want you to watch the screens with me and, and see 
how sometimes we miss the whole point of tithing. Watch with me. I give to God by enjoying what he has given me. Okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your dole me taken a W-A-L-K, huh? <laughs> what if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So what it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this, up right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> I tithe, but just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom. That's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom. That's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we can take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, w I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not now's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. But that everyone can hear how I give with cheer. That everyone could be like me.
Now, I, I don't know if uh, you've ever identified with one of those people or you feel like maybe one of them sitting by you don't raise your hand. But there's lots of ways that we misunderstand what God is saying to us. And the bottom line is that we often don't want to trust God in his leadership in his church to administer the tithe that he calls his to go in his storehouse. He also gives us in this passage an offer that cannot be refused. Look at verse 10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God makes this amazing offer. And in essence, when he says, test me in this, he's saying, try it. You will like it. When you begin to experience the freedom financially of putting him first, it's amazing how God redoes our priorities and everything else seems to make sense. Now, this is not to be manipulated as one of the people on the screen saw that, well, if I give God a hundred bucks, then he gives me a thousand. No, he gives to us spiritually. He gives to us emotionally and relationally. And sometimes he brings all kinds of blessings we can't even describe, but we can never, ever out give God. You're giving to the God who owns everything. And when we try to control our finances, we are not allowing him to release his blessings over us. The blessings of honoring God extend to the third and fourth generation. You're not just bringing blessings on yourself, but your kids, your grandchildren. They will watch the attitude that Jesus is forming in you, and it will impact them forever. How they view money, how they view others, how they view the church, how they view God. You have an opportunity to open up a floodgate of blessing on you and every circle that you touch. I want to close with a true story that, one has shared in his writings, as the author shares this, it's, it's a father who took his son to McDonald's. They were going to have lunch there, and the dad bought his boy a large order of french fries. During the course of enjoying their meal together, the dad decided that he wanted a couple of his son's french fries. But as he reached over to get them, his son pulled his fries back and said, No, they're mine. His dad was in a state of shock for a moment, and he couldn't believe his son's attitude. And as he began to reflect on the boy's attitude, he couldn't resist thinking about how it related to our attitudes with God. First, he observed that his son didn't have any idea that the source of those french fries was his father. He thought to himself, just five minutes earlier, we went to the counter and I reached into my pocket and pulled out some money. And I bought a big box of french fries and gave the whole thing to my son. That he doesn't remember that I am the reason that he has any fries at all. Second, not only am I the source of those fries, but I also have the power over those French fries. I could take the whole box away from my son, or I could go back to the counter and give them $50, and I could bury my son in French fries if I wanted to. Finally, my son doesn't understand that I don't need his French fries. If I wanted to go back to the counter, I could buy my own supersized fry myself. I could easily do that. The reason I reached out to take a few of his fries is that I wanted to have relationship with him and allow him to share them with me. I don't know if this is making sense to you this morning. See, God has taken all of us to McDonald's and he hasn't given all of us the same amount of fries, but everything we have is so much more than the rest of the world around us. And everything we have, he has given to us. And God this morning is saying, I, I am in relationship with you and I want to reach across the table and, and take a few of the blessings that I've given to you. And when we say, no, it's mine, I can't imagine what the father feels. 
He would ask us, do you not realize everything you have I've given to you? Do you not realize that I don't need the resources that I've entrusted to you? I can do anything I want to, but I want you to know how much you need me. I want you to share with me what I have blessed you with. As we close this morning, I want to ask you where you are at. Are you forgetting that God is the source of everything you have? What is it that you desire more than anything else financially? Are you willing to give to God what he commands us to give to him? Where does God fit in your monthly budget? Are you robbing God? Are you obeying his loving command? He makes an incredible offer to us this morning. He tells us to test him. And as far as I can find, this is the only place where he blatantly says, just try me. He knows that as humans, we grip onto stuff so tight, and when we give it to Him, it affects every area of our life. And I hope that you hear me clearly today. God doesn't need your money. Grace Point doesn't need your money, but God wants something for you, and Grace Point wants something for you. When we give to God what He has commanded in His Word is a tithe to the storehouse, it opens up a window for Him to bring blessing in our life. I got it, Pastor. So I tithe, and then all of a sudden I'm going to get a million dollars. That is not what I'm saying. I tithe, and then whatever I can dream in my mind, I can have it financially. That is not what I'm saying. Sometimes the greatest stories is when God shows me how 90% can go so much farther when he takes the materialism out of my own priorities in my life. I want to invite you to stand with me today as I close us in prayer. I'm asking that God would allow this seed to sink into our hearts and to germinate and to grow over the next week, and we'll bring this series to a close next week. But as I pray, I want you to ask God, do you have anything to say to me today? And I believe today we are to listen and then to go in obedience. Father, I thank you for your principles and your word that are true every single time, generation after generation after generation. Through recession and through surplus, you are always first. God, I pray for the one who the enemy is getting on their shoulder and speaking shame to them today. Lord, I pray that you would call that out as a lie from Satan and remind us that the happiness, the joy follows obedience. And would you remind us that today I believe you're just calling us to surrender and to go in obedience. God, we confess that we don't always know how the math will work out. But we want to trust you and obey and allow you to teach us how to live freely financially. I ask these things, Father, in the name of Jesus, who we've been celebrating all day long, the one who gave his very life for us. And Father, you gave your first for us. Allow us to put you first in our finances. And I say amen. Let it be so. And amen. Let it be so. Thank you, Father. May God bless you. You're dismissed.